0: How can I improve my observations about the way my people are working? Welcome to the Power Hour. This is your Power Hour where you can discover something. Perhaps in this Power Hour, you can discover something that you already are doing and you get the confidence of doing something really good. Perhaps in this Power Hour you have an idea about something you could start doing. Or could it be that in this Power Hour you notice something that you could be doing a little better? Maybe in this Power Hour you discover what is holding you back and you have a breakthrough and start doing something totally differently. This is your Power Hour with me, your host, Coach Colin, and I am your skipper on your journey in mastering your leadership. Today's Power Hour is about a question that perhaps many of us have been asking ourselves How can I improve my observations about the way my people are working? Aren't we all challenged with this type of situation? We would like to know how our people are working. We would like to help them so that they can be better. That is one of the key questions around the season 2018 of the Power Hour. The power to perform. So let's see what the master skills are for you are and you might recognize that the master skills for your success they typically start with the vision and the goals And you always talk in your company around the strategy and the priority with your teams. And then you go into individual discussions and talk about the actions and coaching so that you can really have the things happening in your organization. And then you move forwards and you look at the results and do the reviews. That is everything that we're talking about in a corporation. But in fact, sometimes we have to be a little more focused on the detail and step inside and understand what was this again about the visions and the goals? What is really the purpose to do these things? Well, you want to create a bold vision, an idea that everybody buys into and everybody would like to participate and you would like to check where your people are with some kind of work blueprint so that you know where you need to improve and where your strategy has to take that leverage. And you would like to you know, plan the actions forward so that you really change something in the behavior going forward. And finally, you would like to do a fast review so that you really capture all those changes that are really happening. So where does the observation then come in? Well, the observation is a key element so that you can see what is really happening. So what is an observation? An observation is something you have personally heard, seen or noticed, right? So ask yourself, what do you want to observe then? And... Just this weekend, I was going through uh, one of the supermarkets here and at the very entrance of that supermarket on the right-hand side, when you open the door, ah, oh, it smells, it doesn't smell like a shop, it smells like a bakery because for a good reason, they have put the fresh baking station right at the entrance when you come in and of course one of my favorite bakery and pastry that I would like to eat and buy are croissants and if you've ever been into a French bakery a French croissanterie, you can just imagine the smell of these things and when I was preparing this power hour today I suddenly realized how hungry I got researching all the images around croissants and looking at the recipes how to do these things and it just drove me crazy. I nearly was sort of out of um, out of the office and down the road to buy some croissants because I really love these things. It, they're just amazing. But when you buy a croissant, when you're in that shop, there's a certain you know a certain performance that the baker has put into place to deliver a croissant that you would buy, that you would like, and you would like to eat, and you really enjoy. So let's have a look for a moment at these elements of of this performance that the baker has to put into place because i'm quite sure some of these elements that that baker does you could do as well but would you be able to create a complete croissant would you be able to create a croissant that i would like to buy i mean let's let's be honest if I imagined how I would do a croissant, presumably the result would not be so exciting. At least, not so much that it would be suitable to sell in a shop. But let's have a look. What are the areas that would impact a great croissant in detail? Well, the first thing that you would want to do, of course, you would, you know, want to collect the ingredients. There's there is the flour, there's the milk, there's the butter, the salt, and the the um, the raising agent and these types of things that make a good. Dough. And I'm quite sure I could teach you and I could even learn from instructions and teach you after that how to how to choose the ingredients. What would be good butter to use, the amount of butter you would want to choose, the temperature, where to source it, where to buy it, and these types of things. So this is the whole area of one performance. Um, where you would need a certain amount of competence and I need a certain amount of competence to prepare the ingredients to do a good croissant. And naturally, there could be, you know, we could have a discussion around what milk to take, the quality of the milk. I mean, there must be a difference whether I use pasteurized milk, fresh milk, full cream milk, milk that has a long, um, you know, (laughs) duration period that can keep in the fridge, There are so many different types of milks that you can buy these days. And you will have to ask yourself, does that have any impact on the result of the crust? And sometimes it does. I have recipes where you even have to boil the milk very shortly because it has an impact on the recipe. So you have to ask yourself, okay, which are the competencies? Which are the steps that I have to perfect to make sure that I have the right ingredients? Now, when you have the right ingredients... Now comes really the tricky part of the croissant, which is making the dough. It is not just putting everything together and putting the mixer into it and whisking it all together. No, no. Making a croissant is quite a tedious task. And I'm quite sure I would totally fail at this task because I don't have the patience enough to do that. And just to give you an idea, what you want to do is this, this dough, this crispiness, this layers that you have inside the croissant when you open it up, it is layers and layers of dough and butter. The thinner it becomes, the more layers you can create, the better and crispy the dough becomes. So already you can imagine, and you're scratching your head, saying, wow, there must be a whole range of competencies, of of skills, of knowledge, really, how to do this, to create this dough so that you can, in the end, create this wonderful... Um, croissant and you can even imagine that when you've created this specific flaky dough you might imagine you could use it for other things so this competence that you might have it might be transportable into other areas of your performance which is great to have but frankly speaking i haven't tried it presumably i would fail anyway so i have my image of thinking okay this might not be the first endeavor i do on a saturday morning when i think about what i'm going to have for breakfast But would you agree that there must be a certain series of steps that you want to put into place where you want to start first um, before you do something else? So you might want to, I don't know, take the dough and prepare it a little bit so you don't roll out everything together. You might want to prepare the butter in a certain way so that you can create these different types of layers. So there must be a certain sequence of things to make exactly this step. And could you also agree with me that the 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 way that you have prepared the um the ingredients of the dough has less of an impact at this stage so it's quite independent and another phase that is quite independent is actually how you then prepare the croissants how you roll it together how you put it on in the shape and how you you know put glazing like the egg yellow Onto the, um, onto the croissants, how you roll it up, how you fill it from the inside. All these things, when the dough is ready, rolled out, this is a totally different skill set that you would want to master when you want to do croissants, which has nothing to do with the previous skill sets. So you can even have a different person who is just mastering this step. And then finally... Of course, you want to put it into the oven and that is where you then create, create this nice crispiness and the, the smell comes out of these croissants and you, you really feel hungry and you would like to bite into them and you have to tell your children, don't touch it, it's hot! Because you know they have to cool down. But when you're in the shop, you still want to have them slightly warm because that is, no, that is when you know that is when they're best because a good croissant, two hours later, it's as flat as a pancake. But again... Baking it, the temperature, um, what type of oven you have, how the oven, the air, the circulation in the oven, how that impacts the result of your of your croissants, is it again a totally different area of competence? And all these four competence areas: how you choose the ingredients, how you prepare the dough, how you prepare the dough so you can, it looks like a croissant, how you bake it these are four performance areas that you would want to master if you would be the master of croissants, which means these are performance areas, which means that if I was your master, if I was running a bakery and you were producing croissants for me, this would be a performance which I would measure you against. Because if you look at the definition of performance, the performance is the accomplishment of a task against a preset and known expectation of effectiveness and efficiency and it's quite interesting to have these three these three components here first of all it is the preset expectation because that is where you're going to have the flavor the the size the crispiness and the smell of these croissants these are the given expectations and how quickly you produce that and how you go through the steps the sequence the recipe to create that that um, choose the ingredients create the dough and so on and so on that is really the performance after which i would measure the baker and decide whether this is good performance as a baker Or perhaps there isn't a performance area that you would like to improve. So now you ask yourself, well, what does that really mean now for your business? And of course, the questions that come into your mind is, well, I'm not doing any baking, any croissants. But I understand the concept that there are independence performance streams that impact my result. And if you're running a business, if you're a manager of a team, of course, you're going to ask yourself, but wait a second, what impacts then the result in my team? I mean, if if my team, if I judge the result, what my team is doing, what are they really in control? And if you're thinking about the sales team, then of course, they'll say, well, what impacts our result? And the answers might be, well, the customers going to impact my result? And... And there are the markets, whether the markets are up are going to have good results and whether the markets are down, then perhaps the results are not so good. And oh, yes, they're the competitors. They have a huge impact on my results. And and then you, you realize, yeah, perhaps somebody might say, well, the technical competence. Yes, your technical competence about the products you're selling will have an impact on your result. And what about the ability to understand your customer? Oh, yeah, that will have some impact as well. And Your social skills, yes, they would have some impact. And what about your ability to be agreeable with the customer and the relationships? And, oh, yes, they will also have impact on your results. So now you start wondering, well, how do you judge the results of your team's performance then? And that is where we have created a model around the performance streams that I would like to introduce to you Because the concept of the performance streams is interesting out of that respect, because you can create your own performance streams of all types of businesses that you have when you take a result that you would judge and think about, well, what really impacts that result? So if you're, for instance, if you're in technical sales, then of course, we can take this example because that is where you would like to think about, well, what really, how would you judge the sales? How would you judge the performance? And the first thing that we'll think about is, of course, well, I'm going to judge the technical solution that my team sells and brings to the customer. Great. And of course, you would want to understand that, when you judge the technical solution that preferably you want to have a technical solution that really wins over the competitors that fulfills the customer needs and all these types of things. The other thing that you might want to consider when you judge the performance of your team is, of course, the, the decision around whether this is good business. You want them to bring home solid business with a good value and a good margin so that you you feel that their time is worthwhile. Great. The fourth thing that you might want to consider is that, of course, in this process of dealing with a customer, that you want to be sure that the uniqueness of your offer, the value... Of your offer is really communicated to the customer, so that you can defend on the price you can negotiate a good price and you you really get the feeling that this is a win win situation. the customer is getting a good uh, good value and you're getting a good price and Finally, what you will want to consider around the performance is the fact well, how are we organized to to complete this thing? how are we you know how much time are we spending to Ensure that we get the deal, that we get the opportunity, we close the business. How much time are we going to spend in making sure that we push it through our system and deliver to the customer? Because the more time we spend on it, the less a good deal it becomes. And which is part of your judgment around the performance. So there are a number exactly here four areas of performance, four streams, four sequences of performance that will impact each and every area which you're going to judge so it would be great if you were very clear around these performance areas so that you could even share that with your team and say look we need to be better at x and to be able to be better at x you have to improve this and this and this step which means that if you want to be better at creating the dough for the um for the croissants you would be Good, you want to be good at rolling out the dough. You want to be good at making making thin layers. You would want to be good at folding it and all these types of things in a specific sequence. So back to the technical sales, what would that mean here? Well, there's a performance stream around the technical side of your offer. And if you want to write down tech On the left-hand side of a piece of paper, T E C H, because I'm going to show you those steps, the tech of um, of your offer. Because the first step that you want to do is, of course, you want to understand the technical needs of your customers. You want to make sure that it's documented and understood, because you can't take the second step, which is the E, which is you can't take and do the estimation of the chances whether you are going to win this deal if you have not understood it completely because there would be surprises and the third step that you would want to take is that you would want to confirm the criteria for the customer's decision and and the investments because only when you then have documented and understood and you've estimated that you really can win this case that is when you can you're interested to confirm that the customer is actually going to buy. And finally, in the fourth step, you might want to give the customers a heads up, which is the H from a T-E-C-H, the heads up for the customer about the value of the offer of your solutions that he's going to get. Because this will then already, you know, pave the way so that the customer gets the feeling this is really on a technical level this is really the opportunity for me to get this solution so these are the four steps and you don't want to get these four steps muddled in the sequence you don't want to skip a step because it is not going to secure that side of your performance so this is the technical side of the opportunity you want to Understand the documented technical needs. You want to estimate it, the chances to win. You confirm the criteria of the customer's decision, and you want to give them heads up of what he's going to get. So, what's the second side then? The second side is you want to you want to have good decisions on this deal, and a good decision. And guess what? You want to write down on the left-hand side of your notepaper G O O D for good. Because there are four steps in there that you want to make sure you and your team do so that you don't miss out in that sequence of creating a good decision. First of all, you want to gather and summarize the customer and your own needs around this opportunity so that you, you know, you want to really document this is what this case is about, which allows you then to understand whether you have completed everything or whether something is missing. Because in the next step, the the O, You will actually, and this is part of your processes, I'm quite sure you have documented as to which part your salesperson, um, your salespeople can decide for themselves whether they're going to quote or at what level they're going to ask you because you want to obtain a confirmation to proceed because you want to determine the viability and sustainability of this commercial value. Whether it is good business or not, you have to take that decision. That is part of a good decision that there is a break point, and then of course the when you've decided that you're going to take this business, you want to have this business. Then you're going to prepare the the um, the business for the customer, which means you want to organise the overall value of all the benefits of this opportunity for the customer, so that you can explain it to him, so that he he in return feels that. There is really value behind this. And finally, drive the opportunity home that you really win the business. These are the four steps that will help you get good decisions. And these four steps, again, you don't want to skip any of those because every one of them has a certain sequence to make sure that, you know, you don't want to take a decision obtain the confirmation that you want to proceed on this business if you have not documented and gathered all the information, so the third area is about communicating the value to the customer, and this is where you can say, well, there's the, there are these gems in your in your offer that you want to make sure that the customer really understands, because this is where you're going to stand out from all the competitors, and <laughs> yes, right. On the left hand side of the paper, write down gems, G E M S, underneath each other, because everyone is a single step. First of all, to find out what really the gems are for the customer, you want to have this goal driven, friendly conversation, focus on clarifying even hidden needs and understanding the goals that the customer really wants. Because, yeah, okay, you've done it on the technical side. But you also have to do it on the emotional side to understand what limitations the customer has, what opportunities he sees and these types of things. Because you know that it is not only the technical decision, the technical capability of your offer that is going to win you the order. There are hidden things that is why you have to start to reveal those in your conversation. The E out of the gems is, of course, you want to explore the mutual commonalities. You want to build a basis of priorities and needs and starting to create some personal agreements with the customers, so that you can you know, build this foundation of the relationship and of the agreement that this is actually the right thing to do between yourselves as a supplier and your customer. Now, The M is very important because some of the things in your offer, they're absolutely unique. And some of the needs that the customer has is absolutely specific. And you want to match them. That is the M. You want to match the uniqueness of your solution to what is required um, from the customer. And again, it is not only the technical side. There are other things. There might be terms of delivery. There might be support to get things started. There might be education. There might be some personal issues where the customer feels, you know, a little hesitant, a little afraid of choosing you as a supplier. And that is where you want to match your ability, your uniqueness with what the customer is really looking for. And then finally, S is naturally you want to solve last minute hindrances like objections so that you really can close that deal close that opportunity effectively and these are the gems this is how how you bring out the gems of your offer because you cannot find the gems if you haven't done the first step properly, which means you cannot find and communicate the gems of of the value of your offer if you have not had the goal-driven and friendly conversation, if you have not understood and explored around what the commonalities are. So that is why the GEMs, the gems, are important to reveal step by step. And finally, in judging the performance um, of your team, you, you will be looking at the time it takes to do these things. And that is where, of course, you're going to look into self-organization opportunities. And that is where, yes, you are going to write T-I-M-E, time on the left-hand side of the paper, because there are four things that you'll want to have a look at in detail. The first one is the targeted customer. Does that really match the sales goals? Because nothing is worse than spending time on... A customer and an opportunity where you say that's not our priority so the first thing that you're going to judge is is this customer target it targeted is this business targeted is this in line with our strategy and so on and so on and if it is not well then of course you want to guide the the information guide the um, the choices that your people make around this area to make sure that they spend the time where they should be spending it and Naturally, then you want to see, well, okay, are they investing their time based on the targets? That is the I uh, when it's about saving time. And the M is about, do they have a manageable and visible plan around the activities and the opportunities that they're following up? You know, people can have things in their head, which is great. I, I love to have things in my head I love to have on the minute feeling that this is important to me but let's face it in the bustle of the priorities and changes and challenges that we have every day i cannot remember everything so i have to have some paper planning in the chaos of the day i have to anchor myself and go back to the planning and ask myself what was really the most important thing here today and that is where you want to make sure that even your people they manage a visible plan of their activities and finally, you want to ask them to evaluate their planning versus the goals. I mean, did, did they succeed in the sense of, um, were they efficient? Were they effective in getting the goals? Were they efficient in the time they were spending on these types of things to winning the business? Because we always like to compare ourselves to to our previous results so that they can have a sense of progress because that sense of progress allows us to flourish, to develop and develop motivation specifically. So these four areas, these are performance streams which are important for you as a manager to observe and to to know. So when you are out in the field and you observe your, your team, you know exactly what to observe because you might now think, wow, well, that was quite a lot. It's about the technical, winning the technical side of the solution, getting good commercial decisions, the gems to communicate and the time. Yes, it is a lot. But now is the trick. I don't, I wouldn't expect anybody to observe everything because I would expect you to look at that croissant and say, either this is great, let's move on, Or you would say, hmm, this croissant needs a little more work on. If we want to sell more croissants, let's see how we can improve our performance in baking croissants. And you would then make a choice and say, okay, which one of these performance streams do I need to improve? We know that they all lead to better results, but you can't do everything at once. So rather than messing up the whole recipe and changing things and not being in control to see how that impacts the result, I'd say, which part of that impact area would you want to improve? Which performance stream would you want to observe? That is going to make the difference. Which means that you'd want to choose out of those four performance streams, which ones do you want to observe right now? Is it the going to win and secure the technical part of the solution how are you going to improve that you take good commercial decisions do you need to be better at communicating the gems of your offer so that you can you know really show the value of what you have or is it that you want to save time on these types of things so that you can do have time over to do more business because yes all these things lead to better results but you can only change one at a time if you want to be in control of the changes. So that is why to make this happen we have created a unique type of workshop where we discover together with you your work blueprint and that is what we're going to look at right now what these elements are. So what? how can you really then discover what your people are doing? That is where we have designed a workshop that allows you to compare against a blueprint of the way you are working, a live workshop where you get to observe the individual steps through the observation, a structured way of reflecting around your observations and putting it all together and deciding on the key steps, how you are going to move forward with your team. These are the four elements of the workshop blueprint. Are you getting good results from your team? Do you need to get even better results this year Perhaps you are looking at the results and wondering how can I reach my goals with my team? Maybe your team is not totally convinced and you are still undecided about what would be the best way to reach the goals. Could it be that not everybody appears to be really involved in the challenges yet? Imagine you could have all the elements that would put you back on track again and you had the confidence that you can get it done how would you feel release the leader within is the event that will make that happen This special event is only for those who have completed the courses manage your core business effectively so make sure you don't miss out release the leader within is a two-day live event that will accelerate your ability to lead your team to success you will realize and train your strengths and apply them immediately to overcome your challenges. You will break through from what is holding you back so that you can release the true leader within you and reach your potential as the leader of your team. This very special event will show you step by step how to redesign the key elements of your leadership in your ability to manage your team's process for optimum performance in your leadership skills and the use of your mind and spirit so that your new results are permanent and lasting. So don't miss out to sign up for Release the Leader Within. So now we've understood what we are going to do around observations and you might ask yourself, wait, is that all? Just choose what I'm going to observe? Well, it's, it's one of the key parts of the observation. And what, uh, what we have to do now is to think about, okay, what else is there that we need to improve so that I can be a better observer? Now, think about the um, observation as being something that you have heard, seen or noticed. So how can you, as a person, then be a better observer? I mean, you have chosen now what you want to observe when it's about baking a croissant. You understand that there are recipes, there are steps, and you say, okay, I'm going to focus on one side of this process in creating these, these croissants. But what is then really the core that you need to know as an observer? Because you are in that role of observing. Whether you're doing observations in the field or whether you're doing it in a workshop or whether you're just doing it ad hoc, spontaneously, you are are the observer. So the question is, well, what can you do to be a better observer? And that is where we would like to look at the core of good observations So what is the core of good observations? Well, first of all, as we've already discussed in the first half of this Power Hour, is you want to choose your perspective so that you don't get overwhelmed with the amount of information that you um, that you will encounter when you start doing observations. The second thing is that, of course, you want to obtain the best observation. And I'm going to talk about that very much in detail ...in in a moment so that you can understand what that really means. But before before that, we will continue these four steps around the core of observations. First of all, choose your perspective. Obtain the best observation because that is going to be your basis of every future work that you have. That is why it is so essential to really be at your best when you do observations... The second thing that you, do, the third thing you want to do, of course, you want to reconnect to the priority, which means you've chosen a certain perspective for a reason, which means the observations that you make, you want to turn back again and connect them to the priorities that you have made. And finally, and this might be surprising for you, because in the observation, specifically in the observations that you have made and all the notes that you have written down and everything, you would want to elaborate on the good behavior. And this might surprise you a lot, it surprised many people, because normally what you do, you do observations around the things that people miss. So why would I turn it around and say, well, please elaborate on the good behavior? Well, think about this. You have a certain goal that you want to achieve. You're with your team, there's a certain result that you would want to have. And presumably, there's also a certain improvement what you want to have. And immediately, there, there, when you do these observations, there might be a half a dozen things that come to your mind or even more that you say, well, they have to be better at this, at this, and this, and this. But the thing is, if you turn it around and you already tell your people saying, look, I saw you ask this question, I saw you make this comment, I saw you make this confirmation with the customer, which had the impact that the customer felt that he was being listened to, he created the trust in the conversation. If you, if you elaborated on that good behavior, how would your people feel? If you elaborated on the good behavior in your observation... How would that make your people feel? They would already feel that they have gotten halfway. Just imagine. They know that they can be better, but you're giving them the opportunity to feel encouraged, to feel confident, to feel good, because you give them the opportunity feeling that they've already come halfway, they're already doing stuff in a great way, they're already doing good behaviors, they're already having an impact on the results you're trying to achieve, you're trying to improve. Which means the motivation to add more things into their basket of behavior is, it's it's open doors. They will just ask, oh wow, I'm already that good, what else can I do to become better? that is the opportunity you have with focusing on the core of of, of the observations. So in detail, what is in this training when we do the workshop blueprint training? Let me step you through the core of that training so that you can understand how you are going to be a perfect observer. First of all, yes, we did talk about You want to choose the area of observation so that it works even for field observations. It could be one of those four areas. It could be the technical side, the good decisions. It could be the gems. It could be the time. You choose. That's the first thing. Choose your perspective. The next thing, of course, you're going to observe as much as you can. And it's easier said than done. And I'm going to share a tool in a minute that will highlight those points that you want to stay focused on. But for the time being, let me say that much, there are observation lists, which means depending on the phase of or the stage of the workshop you're in, you can have a list in front of you where you can fill in what the dialogue that is happening, where you fill in as much as you can. Every word, every, everything that you see and note and hear, what is one person doing? What is the other person doing? And with every phase of that conversation, as you move forward through, through the steps of your process, of course, you're going to fill in different observation lists. And you're going to write down as much as you can, because that is the most important document for you right now. Then, when the conversation is over, then you start to reconnect to what was important. And that's, you think, okay, fine, I can can do that. But again, there's a tool that will help you to do that. Because, naturally, there are the performance streams, the four performance streams, the technical solution, the good decision, the gems of the communication, and saving the time. So now you're going to look through that observation list and you're going to see how does that then connect to the priorities. You want to highlight those things where you say, okay, this is the point where it connected. This is the point where it improved, where it impacted. This is perhaps a point where something was missed. You're just making your notes. You're just reflecting around yourselves, reconnecting to what was important for your business. And then, you take out a reflection checklist, which is a copy of the recipe, the copy of the blueprint, the step-by-step instructions of behaviors and, and actions that your people should be doing in every phase of the performance stream, and you then transfer the notes onto that performance stream that is most important to you right now, which means there is there is a checklist in there. you can go through checklist one by one and you can decide okay this was done, this was highlighted, this was great this was this could have extra work, this could be elaborated and this way you can create a benchmark of how your people are behaving in this situation. and you can highlight every time it was good behavior so that when you reflect with your individual with your, with your people around how it went you have a protocol for yourself so that you know exactly what were the steps going through this conversation now the biggest thing for you is not the conclusion that you make the quality of the observation that is why i'm going to highlight one more time how can you increase the quality of your observation because you want to be best at it right and to be best at it and hey you might want to take a pen and write b-e-s-t on the left hand side of your piece of paper so that you can really follow up and make sure that the next time you do it you have that piece of paper in front of you, and you can really be best at it and and follow it step by step because the first thing you would want to do is beware beware of yourself. what does that mean? Well, of course, you have a certain amount of expectations, you have judgments, you have things going round of your head, and frankly speaking, you will want to be. Much more concerned about yourself when you get into the situation of the observation than the person that you're going to observe because you want to understand that your mind is going to play a game with you, yeah because it limits your ability to be rational because you're going to you're going to be drawn to different types of events you're going to be drawn to different types of observations you're going to your mind is just going to go in different directions and that is the first thing that you would want to know is where are you? Are you here right now doing this observation with the observationalist in front of you or are you with the customer case? Are you sitting on the customer side? Are you trying to be the salesperson even to trying to solve it? Beware of yourself and be sure that You're only going to be the observer. You're not part of this conversation. So, the second letter that you would want to look at is the E. So, what does the E stand for? The E means enhance your focus. And, well, you mean, you know, enhance your focus. Of course, I can focus on things. Yes, but what does it really mean? You know, we have abilities to focus and... Perhaps you're focusing on this power hour right now, which you would be very happy for. And I'm quite sure you also have got a lot of, lot of things that you're not focusing about. Let me give you an example. What does your back feel like as you're leaning into the chair right now when you're listening to this power hour? Or what is, what is the feeling of your left big toe in your shoe? and presumably you think it's crazy but wait a second i didn't know i had a left I had a left toe left big toe in my shoe just a moment before before i've said it no because you had eliminated that focus because if if you were going to think about all day long how each and every toe feels in your shoes you're going to be quite busy Focusing and paying attention, how that feels like, rather than paying attention to everybody else. Would that be efficient? No, probably not, because you want to focus on something else. But you see, the attention that you have, you are able to inst- you are able to steer that on. You're able to steer the ability to focus on certain things, and you need to choose that. So you want to choose. Not only which area you're going to focus on when it comes to the performance streams, but what exactly is it you're going to watch out for? What are the people saying? What are the questions? Or even something else. But that is increasing, enhancing your, your focus on these certain things is going to improve the, your ability to be the best observer. And it's something you can practice. By the way, What is your left toe doing right now in your shoe? How is it feeling? Perhaps you've already forgotten it. See how quickly that focus can change? So the next thing that you would want to be aware of is your inner dialogue. So specifically, the S stands for stop your inner dialogue. Because when you observe something, immediately you're starting to think about, what would I have said? And why didn't he do like this? And... Perhaps if he had done something else, he would have been much better. And you're trying to write down those suggestions, those judgments around what you're observing. So you've stopped to observe all the, all the already and you're starting to listen to yourself and creating a future conversation, how you're going to communicate that to the person. And at that moment, your whole quality of the observation goes down the drain. So stopping that inner dialogue is essential so that you can... Observe what you're focusing on. And finally, a more practical thing. You want to take notes as quickly as possible, as many as possible. You want to write down the beginning of the sentences. You want to write down what your your employee said. You want to write down what the other person said, the customer said, or whoever is in that meeting, so that you capture as many sentences as you can and perhaps you don't want to write down the whole sentences but you might want to write down the beginning of the sentences and perhaps then a keyword at the end so that you then when you review the whole conversation review your notes so that you can then capture what was really important out of your observation you have these moments you have these guidelines and you know what was being said you can and you're able to repeat that conversation out of your mind because you don't have a video recorder there. A video recorder would disturb very much that conversation, the natural flow of this dialogue. And and perhaps you might even want to think that you want to pull yourself out of that conversation, not sit directly at the table when you do that workshop, but really stand or sit at the side, sit in the background behind a flip chart so that you you disappear out of the mind of the people who you are observing. So to sum that up, to to really be the best observer you can, of course you have those elements of being aware of yourself, enhancing your focus, stop your inner dialogue and take notes as much as you can. And on a practical note, of course, you are in principle the live camera there. You are commenting, you are writing down, you are recording as much as you can and you might even want to practice this by sitting down in a meeting and just on a piece of paper start writing down what people say so that your handwriting becomes faster because I've noticed that in in the digital ages when everybody is writing on iPads you know normally you actually slow down the number of characters that you can write with the iPad because you're only using two fingers and if you were to practice your handwriting like in a couple of meetings you would be amazed how much you can actually write down and capture as an observer. And that is so extremely valuable because in the next Power Hour we're going to share how you can make reflections with your people. So this sums up the core of the observations. So you want to take notes as much as you can. Write what is said, the customer and your salespeople. Take action, note what what actions they took. And later on, In the next chapter, the next power hour, you're going to sort your ideas. You're going to capture your own reflections. You're going to make judgments and you're going to draw conclusions. And you're also going to think about how you're going to give feedback. But that is for later. Focus on the observation and stop that inner dialogue of what is going to happen and how you conclude and judge all these things. Just focus on one thing, the observation. This was the Power Hour with me, Coach Colin, the skipper to your leadership. And if you found something interesting during this Power Hour, why not just go over and press like or even share it with one of your peers, because we all want to be better and it is very rewarding to see other people getting better around us. And if you have any questions about this Power Hour or around leading your team to success, Just private message me, text me, get in touch with me on Facebook or send me an email. Because always remember, I am Coach Colin and I am here to help you master your leadership.